This is a demonstration of Wirecast. And don't get me wrong, masks make it difficult to, to recognize everybody anyhow. But uh, for, for those of you who are here who I haven't met you, hi, I'm Joey. I, I, I was uh, on a three-month sabbatical, and um, it's just good to be back. I mean, no matter how many times you vacation and go visit places, it's always wonderful to be back, to be back home and to be with family. And there's been some wonderful surprises since I've come this back, and I've seen some beautiful faces that, that used to be here once upon a time and, and, and uh, or, or with me once upon a time, and now they're here in town, which is wonderful. Um, so again, it's good to be back. Uh, for those who are at home, I'm going to pray just briefly. But a couple, a couple of things for those who are at home. We were playing with the technology today, and we updated the system. You're going to have like a watermark showing up on the screen that says Wirecast. We'll, we'll work that out for next time. For today, ignore the little pop-up that goes up and down, and and hopefully we'll get it all right. And next week we'll be good. However, if you're having connectivity issues or something is off, just let us know in the comments. We do have somebody monitoring. But if everything is good, loud and clear, give us a thumbs up or like like or whatever it is and, and just, just let us know that we're, that we're doing okay-ish because uh, we kind of have some kinks to, to iron out. But for right now, what I want to do as we get to the Word, for those who are here and those who, who are able to join us from home, I want to invite you to pray with me because we never dare open the Word of God without calling upon the power of the Holy this Spirit. So let us go ahead and pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we come before you. And we are so grateful for the opportunity that you bestowed upon us to be here to worship your name on this day. We ask right now humbly, Father God, as we open the scriptures, that your word may speak to us, that you pour out your spirit for wisdom and understanding. And Lord, I humbly request that you speak through me, that it be you and not I. I ask these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen, Amen. Um, uh, some a little bit of housekeeping. This is it's, I'm going to share with you in the message just some of the experiences that I that I have had while I was away. But one of the first things is this uh, disclaimer for anybody here or at home who has email or text. I disable my Facebook account during the 90 days. I, I cancel my cell phone and I reactivated it just a few days ago. My email, I deleted it off my phone and I did not access it. I put one of those out of the office things. When I turned my phone back on, I got close to 7,000 text messages that came in and hundreds of emails. And what I want you to know, there's this cool feature on the phone where you swipe left and you have a flag to make it like an important message or delete. I just deleted everything. I, I wasn't going to come back and then try to make up for three months of being gone to review everything. So if you email me or text me during the last three months, do it again because there's no way I'm going to get through all of that. I used to barely keep up with all of that. And then I'm one of those kind of persons. I don't know about you, but I struggle when you see the little icons on there, the little bubbles that says one on red message, two on red message. That just messes up my OCD, and I just deleted it. And, and, and so go right ahead and reach out. And don't get me wrong. Some of the messages, I looked at a few pop-ups as they were coming in. Um, hey, Pastor Joey, I know you're on sabbatical, but, and that's how I began. Hey, Pastor Joey, did you get my last message? Hey, did you get my last, last message? And so so me not answering prompted more text messages about not answering. So so I apologize if I ignore you for 90 days. 
Hit a brother up. I'm back. I, I don't like those little icons. I'll answer. I'll reply. We'll do it from there. Some people ask me the million-dollar question. Are you energized and ready to come back? Mentally, yes. But my last trip uh, or the last portion of the 90 days, I went to Hawaii by myself because my wife and kids had to like go back to school or one of those needless things that we apparently have to do sometimes as children, you know, like like show up to school and, and buy uniforms and, and those kind of things. And I didn't want to just sit at home for 20 days going. So I decided to let me just go spend a couple of weeks with my friend. And so I went to Hawaii, hang out with him, but I'm still jet lag. They're like six hours behind. So when it's midnight here, it's six in the afternoon and I'm wired. And then, you know, like at this time right now is what, like five in the morning over there. So I'm, I'm physically drained for right now until I get back into our time zone. But mentally, I'm good. I'm just, just a little sleepy. That's all. So, but, but I had an amazing time. We had 90 days, 70 days. I spent it with the family. We took an RV trip and we went across the U.S. 13,500 miles for 21 days. We saw the petrified forest and we did the Grand Canyon. We went to Vegas. I didn't like Vegas too much. It was hot and ugly and uncomfortable. And we tried to find like a show for the family. There was like one show for the family. It was like one of those weird magic illusion shows. Only one. All the other ones were not appropriate for, for kids. And, and so we, we didn't, we didn't like that. But San Diego Sioux was awesome. We, we saw so many beautiful things. And then, we did a lot of hiking. My, my family, I'm the hiker in the family. I like nature. I like walking. I like exercise. A anything that requires more than a mile for, for the rest of my family is like, uh, you know, when we went to Arizona, it was 40 degrees at nighttime, 120 during the day. The, 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 the difference in, in, in temperatures and the heat and the dryness. They say dry heat is better than humidity. And I could say humidity stinks, but heat is heat. And, and walking is walking, and water is water, and, and it was interesting, but we saw so many beautiful things, and if you study the Bible, you know that because of sin, the world has suffered. We as humans were affected, that the world itself, earthquakes and hurricanes, and nature, animals and plants and stuff were affected because of sin, but even in a sin-infested world, you could still see the beauty of God. Could you imagine this how it was before sin? I was just in awe of all of the things that we did. I hiked in Hawaii. There's this thing called the stairway to heaven. And pretty much you go for about five or 6,000 feet up for several miles in a ridge that is about 20 inches wide. And if you're like me and you have a little bit of drafty parts this way and a backpack this way for your water bottles, you're up there doing this, you know, and you're just climbing up. But once you get to the top, you can see the island and the beauty and the blues and the colors. And then you can't even see when you look out in the ocean, where is it that the ocean ends and, and, the, and the sky begins? It's, I mean, God's beauty was amazing. And for those of you who were praying for my family and I, I want to thank you so, so much. So, so, so much. Listen, my, many of my pastor's friends who like drive around and go to meetings on the way to a church member's house, on the way to church, they get a flat, they, they get into a car accident, something happens. We hit 13,500 miles in 21 days. Some days we were driving 10, 12 hours. One day, one day and never again. 20, shh, not talking to you. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, one day 
one day, 21 hours, because there were so many accidents along the way, we got stuck between the place that we were and the place that we had reserved and prepaid to park our RV. And we, we went through quite a bit, but zero issues that were damaging to us or the family. No accidents, no issues with, with whatever. This I mean, when, when I was flying out, out of Tallahassee, they took us out of the plane because there were mechanical issues and people were upset. I was like, yes, thank you. Because mechanical issues, you know, while we're still on the ground is much better than mechanical issues once we took off. And, and so I was just, just, just pleased. And, and, and you know, in and, and Hawaii, I mean, it was beautiful and gorgeous. And I did the scuba thing and the, the surfing and the paddle boarding thing. I mean, I never got such an ab workout doing this against the waves and stuff like that. But throughout all of that mess, safety throughout for me and my family. So thank you for your prayers. The protection from God throughout all of that was phenomenal. We hit everything and anything, and the Lord was with us. We got to see a lot of people from all of the places, different types of styles. I mean, we wanted to check out like the uh, like the Hollywood stars, like the the streets or whatever. Never taken RV through Hollywood and San Francisco, and you know all of those places. Roads are tight. People can be mean. And uh, did I tell you that the roads were tight? I mean, my RV was like a hundred inches wide. I learned that your average lane is 96. I wasn't sure what I was doing with the other four inches but but you know it was just interesting but we saw from tent cities to all kinds of things and we we enjoyed it we also saw extremes in covet laws like 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 we saw places that just didn't care they got all excited early on uh during my 90 days we were coming out of like things are better back to normalcy and whatever and then suddenly there was a surge and we tightened back up so we got to see the extremes all over the place and then even with god's children with god's people we saw the extremes and their responses you know i visited i i didn't tune into anything here because i wanted to kind of mentally check out uh, of the of the church of the churches and, and work so it was nice to tune in online to other preachers you know from our, our churches we also visited physically i visited physically a couple of churches uh and, and so it was nice to see that but even within our churches I saw people like almost completely split regardless of the reason. So you have one side, COVID is a hoax or, or it, it is real, but we don't need vaccines. Another one, this is serious. Get vaccinated. Do what you need to. But, but in the extremes, those who were against vaccines, they told us things like, you know, you can't do it because they'll change your DNA and, and you're going to be something. They're going to put nanochips inside of you and you're going to be part robot, part human. Other places said, this is the, the man trying to keep us down. And, you know, I, I, I saw all of that and so much i mean so much that it was interesting to see the following because this we reconnected with a lot of friends of i have friends who didn't believe in vaccinating their children when they were growing up they 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 said no vaccines they create autism they do this there's mercury and some other things on there and, and so so you you had those people no no vaccines at all growing up the other side get vaccines get vaccines but with covid the side that didn't want to vaccinate their kids. You got to get COVID vaccine. You got to get COVID vaccine. The side that says get vaccinated. There's no autism. They're saying now, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated. That's the man trying to keep me down and take my freedoms away and all these things. And I'm like, ah. And then we saw this one church that promoted, and I, I don't know if it has happened yet, a uh, camp meeting just in a local level, just in the local level to prepare for the end times. 
And some of the workshops are going to be moving to the country, living during the buy, no buy, sell time years. And then they're going to give us survival skills for when we have to flee to the wilderness. And, and so they're doing all of these things. And, and they were really extreme. This and they said to train you and prepare you, there will be no showers and no toilets. We're just going to have porta potties. And so I'm a germaphobe. And I. I still have like traumatic nightmares from when I went to Oshkosh over a decade ago uh, and, and see some of these scenes that you saw when you opened those porta potties. I mean, you saw it and it's like, oh, mercy. Now, this is this is pre-COVID now. And, and, and so you mean to tell me in a world where we're teaching people how to wash their hands, how to, you know, do vampire cough <laughs> or sneezes, uh, you, you want to train them in a place without showers and toilets? And because the end is coming and it's the end of the world, we're going to burn otherwise and we got to flee and run away from everything. I struggle with that. I, I really, really do nothing about the topics and the preparation. The topics and preparation get, make me a little bit uneasy. But then the conditions too, in, in, in a world where we're passing on germs, we're going to make a, a, a germ this camping trip with very little, uh, you know, I, I just, I just, I, I have an issue. I, I really, really, really do. And, and so many people are panicking about this being the end times. Is COVID one of the last plagues? And, and so when you go throughout from here to California and back to Hawaii, I mean, we hit everything and anything. There's just such confusion and chaos going around and so people are all panicking and, and freaking out and and they're saying all of these things and so here is where is um my wife and i were talking they people are looking for answers there's a lot of information misinformation there's a lot of things out there that are just corrupted everything is fake news or everything is whatever sensationalization that's a very hard word you know what i mean sensational sensationalization <gasps> yay i said it look at that you know they, they, they're, they're sensationalizing things and, and and it becomes very chaotic and so when people find well, you're visiting today who are you where are you from i did that to john earlier he, he's visiting here for a little bit hey john and he may not be here anytime ever again but whenever i would meet people who are you? I'm Joey. I'm on sabbatical. Oh, you're a pastor? What do you think about? And then they come and ask me questions. There are people that are just looking for answers. And here's what I see. If I could summarize the world, what was going on, right? Everybody's afraid. Everybody's scared. Everybody has an opinion. And no matter what, uh, there, there's people who are saying it's real, it's not real, it's here. It's but you know what it looks like? A child who came home from school with a problem. He talks to mom and dad about it. And mom and dad are arguing about the best way to do or not to do. Is real, is not real. Is good, is bad. Is political, no, is not. Is fake, is whatever. And the child's still there petrified. And no one is helping him with the situation that, that it is. We have a hopeless world a world that has no idea what to do and their best way of answers is through social media somewhere and whatever is the meme of the week or the challenge of the week i mean right now there's this weird i turn on facebook and i've regretted it it's only been a few days but there are people almost breaking their necks on milk crates and i have no idea why uh, i don't know if it's like the hood olympics or, or or something like that but but something weird is happening it's like a new challenge a new trend and i'm saying this is this is the world's source 
some information because they don't trust church. They don't trust religion because you see, it, Christians ha have gone in the name of God saying, you must get vaccinated or else. But also in the name of God, don't get vaccinated. That means you don't have faith in God. And so if you got Christians saying one thing and Christians saying the other thing, me who I'm trying to find out about who Jesus is, I'm just getting all confused. I'm like that kid watching mommy and daddy and arguing the table and suddenly daddy slapped mommy and I'm like, okay, what am I doing? I mean, I don't know if that's relatable to you or not. Have you ever been in an awkward, uncomfortable situation where you're just kind of watching what's going on here? But that's what was happening in the world. And so you've heard me this use this example before. I have no idea whether or not I'm going to be a robot if I get the vaccine or not. I have no idea whether I'm going to be embedded with partial uh, DNA of an alien or something or whatever other speculation you guys said. I have no idea if me getting the vaccine is not having enough faith in God or not. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't get it. People are coming up with all these different things. But what I do know, what I do know, is that if this is the time of the end, this is we need to continue to lift up Jesus. We need to continue to model before the world who God is. We need to continue now more than ever, show unity, and not only unity, a grounded faith in God. People who study uh, like counterfeit money, they don't study all of the fake stuff. They only study the real one. They know the real one so well that when a fake one comes along, they can spot it. But not because they memorize all of the junk out there. They just simply know the real one. You want to know what real faith is? Is faith really? I hear people joke about this all of the time. Like, you mean to tell me you don't need a vaccine for COVID because your faith will protect you from COVID. Your faith will protect you from, the, from this lethal disease. But yet your faith is not strong enough to protect you from the side effects of the vaccine. I don't want to get the vaccine because it may have some side effects, etc. Okay, so your faith will protect you from the deadly disease, but it won't protect you from the side effects of the vaccine. Is that what you're saying? And that's the argument from non-Christians when they hear Christians arguing on Facebook and different this comments about different things. And so let's stop studying the counterfeit. Let's focus on the truth. And what I want, I don't know if this is the end of the world or not. I have no idea. I do know, studying Daniel and Revelation, that we are living in the end times. I do know that the coming of my Lord is very near. But I also do know that this is not the first time we've had pandemics. You know, in, in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be two years from when this mess began. And so it's been two years. It's not the first one. We've had the flus and bubonic plagues and, and all kinds of things. So is this a sign of the end? Maybe, maybe not. But here's what I want. And I think of the words of Abraham Davenport. We'll put it up on the screen. This is in, in May 19th, 1780, when the world turned dark. There was darkness, no sun for about a day and a half. And they were having a meeting in the office, and Abraham Davenport, you know, somebody said we should adjourn. And this is what he said, Mr. Speaker, it is either the day of judgment or it is not. If it is not, there is no need of adjourning. If it is, I desire to be this found doing my duty. I move that candles be brought, and we proceed to business. Guess what? I have no idea if the Lord is going to be coming next week or in five years or in a decade. But whether or not we are in the end, I want to be found doing my duty. And if there's anything that you could get out from the world that we're in right now, not more than ever, I want you to think of 
the words of the prophet Isaiah, and I want to put that on the screen too, Isaiah 4.1, because this is something that I need to remind myself constantly for everything that I do. Here's the prophecy. It says, and in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, we will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. In prophecy, those of you who may have studied or if you heard it before, a, a woman, a, a female, a bride, it is usually representative of this God's church. Of he is the bridegroom and we are the bride. Here, however, in this prophecy, it's indicating that there's multiple women, seven women, they're out there and they're saying, we just want to do whatever we feel like doing, dress our own way, eat our own thing, do whatever we want to, but just let us be called by your name and take away our reproach. You wonder why there's so many religions out there, why there's so many churches and so many philosophies and theories. You wonder why there's so many Christians out there at both sides of the spectrum. You wonder why in the name of Christ, we persecute Christians and kill Christians, but also in the name of Christ, some of us hid and wrote the Bible in our jackets and hid in the mountains and did these different things during the dark ages. You wonder right now why so many Christians during the election, they were like, if you're a Christian, you will vote for Biden. If you're a Christian, you will vote for Trump. And if I'm not a Christian, I don't know who Christ is, that would be super confusing. Why? Because many people want to take on the name of Christ, but they don't want to do the will of Christ. Many people want to do their own thing. Let us take on your name, but we'll dress how we want. We'll eat what we want. We'll do whatever we feel like doing. We'll do whatever, but we'll carry your name. And that's a problem. That is a huge, huge problem in the world that we're living in. It's huge. My son graduated last year from middle school. He is a freshman in high school. He's going to one of our public schools here in Tallahassee for the first time. And, and you know, uh, during the sabbatical, we visited, uh, I visited one of my uh, friends who is like my wife and I's backup parents. Uh, we, we call them like godparents, I think is what it's called. So, so if Melanie and I both die, they're the ones to, to take over our children. We have it like in paper and will and testaments and, and all of this is, I mean, we don't, I don't have much, but you know, it's just here. Take care of our kids. Here's where we are. And we have it set up that way. And they asked me the question, how do you feel about your son going from an Adventist school? Cause you know, we have an amazing Adventist school here across the parking lot from kindergarten through eighth grade. And we're doing pre-K this year too. So if they're a little bit longer than kindergarten, you know, we're there. Shameless plug in. Yeah, absolutely. Bring your kids to our school. Love to have you. But they were saying, how do you feel about your kids growing up in the Christian school and not going to non-Christian. says, you know, there's a lot of benefits in Christian school. You pray, you study, you, you do all of these things. There's worship. There's an actual Bible class. But I said, now that he's a little bit older, it's, it's a little bit easier in the secular school. And here's why. And this is a very, you know, I told you, I'm very blunt. I, I, here's why. In a Christian school, my kids' guard may be down. So when you have other Christian children there and they may introduce something not so godly, they, they don't have any, any filters. They may accept it and, and embrace something that is not so godly because after all, it's a Christian school. What, 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 you know, what will other kids bring that is whatever? But in a secular school, he knows to have his wall up with everyone. You are now out there with non-believers. So make sure you test everything. Make sure you check everything. So in some respect, it's a little bit easier. And that's what happens here in, the, this, in this, this world. Demonstration you of need to continue to filter everything 
through, through the Christ factor. You need to do that. We cannot let our guard down. We're so self-involved sometimes that we get ourselves into deep trouble. So now that we're in the end times, and whether this is the beginning of the end, the middle of the end, or the end of the end, now more than ever, we need to be grounded doing what God's people look like how they're supposed to, what they're supposed to be doing, the will of God in the end times. Look at James 2, and, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. Look what it says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Verse 15. Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing. 16. And you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Verse 17, so you see, faith by itself this isn't is enough. Unless it produces test. good deeds, it is dead and useless. So you want to know what needs to happen during the times that we're in. This is beyond vaccines, non-vaccines, political parties, or whatever. This has to do with the fact that regardless of what's going on, there are people out there that are in need. They are in need. And no one is going to care about the 2300-day prophecy if they haven't eaten in three or four days. No one is going to care about vaccines and DNA swaps or whatever the case may be if they've been living under a bridge or, or, or something else outdoors. There are people out there that are in need. And then there are people who maybe don't have any physical need, but they are in need of a good faithful brother or sister that is going to help strengthen their faith. That is going to help strengthen their faith. And this is very crucial. We need to do good. It is not just saying, I got faith, I got faith, and not do anything because faith without deeds is dead. Plain and simple. Deuteronomy 15.11. Look what it says here. Deuteronomy 15.11. It says, for the poor will never cease from the land. The poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land there's always going to no matter what's going on with the world pandemic no pandemic politics no politics elections no elections olympics non-olympics hood olympics it doesn't matter there's always going to be people in need and i love what my brother gary told me when i first got to this church about five and a half years ago he says you know sometimes you need to give people a hand up not a hand out, a hand up. And how wonderful it would be that we give a hand up to individuals who are in need. There's always going to be needy people. But we can start making a difference in people's lives. And yes, others will come and others will be in need. But how nice it is if we were a body of Christ. That we're helping people when they needed healing, when they needed uplifting, when they needed encouragement. Could you imagine what the world will look like first john 3 17 first john 3 17 it says if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion how can god's love be in that person come on now you can't say amen say ouch come on you see this is this is an issue this is an issue um, I told you guys about when I went to Kenya, I preached on that a couple of years ago. I was about 60 to 80 pounds heavy. I can't remember right now, but they cast. thought that I was wealthy because the bigger you are, the, 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 the more, the, the, the more rich you have to be because that means you're eating well. 
And so they would call me the Musungo, literally translate to the rich white guy. Because I was a, I was a light skinned brother when I went there, you know, and, and so so they literally called me the Musungo. They thought I was wealthy, and I said, "Look, I'm just fat. I'm not rich, you know." But 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 they thought that that's what it meant because we had something to eat. And if you're able to have food in your fridge, in the pantry, if you have a couple of vehicles, you know, you 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 don't realize how wealthy you are, how rich you are, and and if you have and you don't help someone in need, is God's love really inside you? Come on now. Acts 20.35. Acts 20.35. It says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he says, it is more blessed to give than to what? Than to receive. This is not just a money thing. This is not just a money thing. What about your words? I have to tell you, I know a lot of people. That, that if we have a need, they'll write a check, they'll give cash, they'll help for something. But there are some of the nicest monetary giving people, but some of the meanest when they open their mouth. We are supposed to be children of encouragement. If you are not uplifting someone, everywhere you are, whether it's in your home, how you talk to your children or children, how you talk to your parents, this whether it's in your neighborhood, how, how you keep, how you be fighting with that neighbor over and over and over it with your co-workers, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I say this all of the time because you need to understand that we are called to be different. And in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of this panic, in the middle of all of the things, we are called to be a light in the midst of darkness. Sermon title for two weeks from now, by the way. Shameless plug-in. But, you know, we are called to be the light in the middle of darkness. That's what we are to do. I have shown you in every way, says there in the book of Acts, in every way that you must support the weak. Whether, whether financially or spiritually or in any way, this is what we are called to do. Now, when you give, there's some... There's things that, that, that happen as a result of that. And something to keep in mind, 2 Corinthians 8, 12, it says there, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted to what one has and not according to what he does not have. You know, this is, this is something that, that, that I, I have to remind myself. My wife will tell you, if I have more money, not only would I adopt more than just one kid and had like 50 kids in my house, but also more than just two cats. I would have cats and dogs and maybe I have to convince my wife to let me have a snake. But, you know, I, I would, I, she, she doesn't like snakes, but, you know, I, I would just take everything in, humans and animals, and just because it, it breaks my heart. When we were adopting my youngest daughter, you know, I learned that even here in Tallahassee, two to 300 kids a week on average go to the foster care system. And, and I'm looking at my house where I wish I had more extra rooms because, oh my, oh me, oh my. But then I have to remind myself, okay, according to what I have, to what I don't have. I know my heart aches and I want to do more. You know, but, but some of you have plenty and do very little. So, so, so if you don't have, it's all good. He works with you and according to what one has. So if you wish you could do more, but you can't, do what you can with what you have. If you have plenty and you're doing very little... If you can't say amen, say ouch. Hebrews 13, 16. Hebrews 13, 16. It says, but do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well 
pleased. It is a sacrifice. It is not fun. It is no picnic, but God is well pleased. Philippians 2.4. Philippians 2.4. Look what it says. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Could you imagine? What the world will look like if God's children, true children, I'm not talking about those who only say, let us have your name and we'll do whatever we want. I'm talking about those who really want to do the will of the Father. If they were to look out for the interests of others, let me tell you this, pre-pandemic, pre-COVID and everything else. I told you, I, I, I'm, a, I'm part of the, uh, I think I may have started the germaphobe club, right? But I remember one time in one fellowship, me on one church in one location somewhere, not in Tallahassee, where I saw this lady just making some kind of soup in the kitchen, preparing for a fellowship meal. And she went and just, just tapped it in, in, in the pot and the leftovers just kind of went there and said, honey, is this too salty? What do you think? A little bit of salt. Let me try it again. And about four different people tasted it. There was some dumping of the, like tapping of the spoon so that the, 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 the stuff goes on there. And I remember I never prayed more in my life for a meal than what I did at that occasion because it's, uh, I mean, it's, you, you don't, you, you no. And, and so, 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 so when I cook, my wife and kids will tell you, of I told you they judge my singing, that even in the shower, they knock on the door and say, dad, shut up, please, you know, uh, uh, but, but, but when it comes to cooking, they judge my food. When I cook for me, I want everything extra lemony, extra garlicky, and extra spicy. And so my wife, my, my, my wife sometimes is like, I guess you don't want to kiss me today or for the next week or two, huh? Because she'll smell the garlic just, just, just coming out. And that's how I cook. But when I cook for the family, everything is all definitely not, not, not spicy. You know, there's no, there's no out factor when you eat. Uh, uh, and, and definitely not as much garlic. I still put some garlic. Not as much lemon. And, and so they know that when I cook for me versus when I cook for them, I do that. But when I cook for others, I, don't, I, I, I may taste it, but then I'm washing the spoon before I take a second taste, even within my own home. And we kind of share the same environment and atmosphere and stuff. Because when you, when you cook, you should, you know, if you're cooking for others, cook for others. They don't want to be like all up on whatever has been all up in your, you know, your, your grill. Like, like, what is that? You know? And, and, and so, demonstration so, so that's something. Cast. I, I think about, you know, in, in the context of just this whole COVID thing, I, I'll give you briefly the experience to Hawaii because this is something that, that I saw. It's a small world. You all know the Adventist world is very, is very, very small. I found out some friends that I went to seminary with and other places, some, some guy that I knew in New Jersey that they're like in Hawaii. Some of them are pastoring. Some of them are working there in the military. They're doing other things. And, and so I, I saw a guy who was in, in a flight before me. We, we saw each other at the airport. Uh, complying with all of the restrictions of Hawaii. To go to Hawaii, as of the day that I travel, I don't know if it's changed today, but as of the day that I travel, you have to do three things. Either have the vaccine, upload proof, fill out questionnaires, and 24 hours before travel, let them know what you did, didn't do, etc. Send photos, the location, the number, all of these things. It's like a registration lengthy thing. Two, you have to then, if you don't do that, quarantine for 10 to 14 days or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Or this three, and I was only going on vacation for cast. two weeks. I didn't want to like be in quarantine the whole time. If I was going to fly out there to sit two hours in a hotel room somewhere, like that's not, uh, that doesn't work. And, 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 or three, you had to take a test within 72 hours and you had to calculate it in such a way because of the time difference that you 
didn't get the test here. And by the time he got there, the 72 hours were up. And so you have to kind of figure that out. And so here's this guy who flew to Hawaii. And I know for a fact he did one of these three things. But then when we went to one of the churches, not the English one, but the Spanish one, they were requiring masks mandatory. And he just started yelling. And he just started fighting my freedoms and this and that. I said, dude. I didn't see you fight with the airline, or and I know you jumped through all of the same hoops that I had to jump through. Like, you know, you have to do expedited testing to get your results quickly and pay an extra fee and all of that because you wanted to get to Hawaii when it was to your benefit to come here. You jumped through all of the hoops that they required. And not only that, let me tell you this. It was the most miserable 12 hours inside a plane that I've ever had. Because what they require in the flight is that when they serve you the meal or the drink, they wanted you to do this, which is... It bothered my soul. But they wanted you to do this. And then the mask is just going like this off and now as I'm chewing. Take it out. You know, and it's just like, ah, they wanted you to just briefly drop it to eat or to drink and put it back up. But I know he did all of that. And now he's going to be nasty to God's family in God's church because they wanted him for less than an hour to wear a mask. I mean, come on. What are you doing? I mean, could you imagine how the world would look like if we look for others' interests other than ourselves? Could you imagine if we did like that Bible text that we should esteem others better than ourselves? Come on now. Luke 3, 10 to 11. It says, so the people asked him saying, what shall we do then? Verse 11. He answered and said to them, this is Jesus now. He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has one. And he who has food, let him do Likewise, the Bible says be good. It doesn't say try good or fake good. It simply says just be good and do unto others. And when you do good, there's byproducts. There's things that happen from there. Hebrews 6.10, look what it says. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. I know it's hard. Loving Christians is easy, but there's some unlovable Christians out there that is hard to love. I mean, some of you have a character or a temper or an attitude or something that only God can love. And he's not finished with me yet. And hopefully one day I'm able to have the love of God be in me in such a way that I can do that. I get it. People are difficult. And I understand that. But when you do an act of love for someone, you do it as unto the Lord, not as unto men. Isn't that somewhere in the Bible? As unto the Lord, not as unto men. Luke 6.38, it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put onto your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Can somebody say mercy? Can somebody say forgiveness? I mean, think about it. As unforgiving and as unloving you are with people, the same measure that you give... That's how it's going to be measured back to you. Do you really want God to treat you how you treat the last person on customer service on the phone because you didn't get what you wanted in an expedient manner? Come on now. You can't say amen. Say ouch. Let me tell you this. This is a demonstration. This is something that we need to keep in mind. This is something we need to live as Christ's children in accordance to the will of God. Proverbs 11.25. Look what it says. It says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be what? Refresh. Will themselves be refreshed. Don't you realize that as you're a blessing to others, you are also receiving the blessing? 
Don't you realize that as you help others grow in faith, your faith is also strengthened? This is, this is for our, our own sake. Christ could have finished the work all by himself. But this is character development. Therefore, we need to be the ones that are doing this and allowing God to work in us and through us for the benefit of all. You know, when I went to some of the places in the world, we saw some interesting things. And my kids will come back with questions. They know not to ask questions publicly and try not to stare. My youngest one hasn't worked on the staring yet. She has that, 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 that stare thing, and she kind of hangs for a while staring. But we tried not to get into staring stuff. But when we came it's back to the RV, Dad, do you saw this one with the thing and the thing and this one with the other one? What is that or what is this? They had a lot of questions about some of the interesting humans we saw through our, our journey in the various locations. And, and, and so, and so they had, they had these questions and, and, and I get it. And, um, they asked one of the questions to your grandpa and then grandpa made a comment to me about the sexual preference of a particular individual. And, and so that brought something to mind, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, people think, people think that their destruction was because they were gay. That that's where we get the word sodomy from and all of these things. But you know, sexual immorality aside, which is a description of the people near the end times, of all kinds of immoralities within all of that. But there was something unique that we found in the word of God. Ezekiel 16, 49. And again, if I don't get an amen after this, I better get an ouch. But I need to get something. It says, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. This is a she and her daughters were arrogant. Overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. It wasn't that they were gay. It's that they were selfish. And that's the problem. It's easy for us church people to say, well, you know, I'm heterosexual, I'm married, this and that. I, and so, so that's not me. We always act like it doesn't pertain to us. But don't you see that if you want to live like Christ, there's a whole lot of things in scripture that will smack you up. Because even pride can be good. I am so good that I keep all of the commandments. I am so perfect that so even pride is one of those sins, yeah? And, and so we need to watch out for all of that. But notice what was the sin of your sister Sodom. They had plenty. It wasn't like they couldn't give what they did not have. They had. And yet they did nothing with the abundance. Don't you realize that the blessings that you have come from on high? And if you're not using it to this help the rest of the children of God, the love of him is not in you. Didn't we read that earlier? Last section of scripture for today, Galatians 6, verses 1 through 10. And we'll pause throughout a little bit, but, li but listen to this. Galatians 6, verse 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Verse 2 in the next slide. It says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, this obey the law of Christ. Of Three, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. That's why the sermon title today was, are you too good to be good? You know, like, yeah, you know, I, I, that's other people. That, that has to be them. I love when people come to me in church, pastor. I think someone needs to do X, Y, and Z. And what they mean, I think you need to make sure that X, Y, and Z is done. Awesome. Would you like to volunteer for it? No, no. I think you or someone else needs to do it. 
This is no, a demonstration you ain't that important. Verse four, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you will need to compare yourself to anyone else. Verse 5. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. When you realize that you're responsible for you. Woo! No more the devil made me do it kind of thing. You know. No more. Yeah, I messed up. But I'm definitely better than him. Come on now. Verse 6. Now, in this verse right here, I struggle with many pastors use this to get a little bit richer. I don't want you to miss the main point of this passage. But look at verse 6 and 7. It says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers. Well, I'm a teacher. Hey, hook a brother up, right? No, no, no. Sharing all good things with them. Seven, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. What is it that you're spreading in the world? Is it love, kindness, and mercy? Because, I mean, if you, if this is your 17th church in two weeks and everybody hates you and, and, and everybody's jealous of you, then maybe you are the problem. I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm just saying we, we usually reap what we sow. We harvest what, what, what we, what we, plant. so, so what is it? Verse eight, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. And so you have to understand. This I love this analogy from 100 years ago guessed. about a piece of wood and a nail. You get a wood plank, you put a nail, it could go everywhere. But the minute you put a second one, that nail, uh, that, that plank is fixed in the direction. You want to be in the direction of God. You want to look forward to his glorious appearing. The first nail that you need to put on your plank is I want to grow in the spirit with God. But then the second nail, I want to share with everyone and anyone that I can. You do that. It's a direct path. You can't have one or the other. Many times, some people do all of the work, but they don't have a relationship. And God says, well, I never knew you. And then you have other ones who's faith, 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 and zero works. Zip, nada, nothing. Verse 9 and 10 says the following. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, not just like you seven-day Adventist people on the seventh day of the week between 10 and 11, only 11 and 12, this and then that's it. No, 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 no. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good only to the neighbors that are like. But the one on the right that keeps moving my trash can, whoa, I'm not doing good to him. Mm -mm. No, no. Do good to what? What does it say? To everyone. But what if they, yes. But what about, absolutely. But, 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 but I'm sure that this one, definitely, no. To everyone. It is inclusive. Especially to those in the family of faith. And I need to stress on this. Because I see some of you be patient, loving, and kind, and merciful to, to non-Christians. Because you kind of want them to come to church. Like, have you met Jesus today? And you, you kind of do all of these different things. But man, God forbid that any of your fellow church members has one day off. Or they have a Peter moment where they pull out the sword and are ready to commit murder after walking with Jesus for three and a half years. You know, God forbid one of us just, just mess up slightly. And then you will fear the fury of hell because I'm going to be stored upon you as your fellow brother. No, no, no. The good to everyone. Especially those in the cast. family of faith. Either you're part of the family or you're not. 
And so I had a whole other message for today. Um, as you know, we have been going through the end time events and we are studying church history and all of that. And we'll pick it up next time that next time that we're here. But 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 as I was perfectly considering this week, I told the AVT, what's my deadline? Can I get you something else? Because I couldn't go on this journey across the U.S., see so much need of a savior and not express that. This so it is, is my prayer that you cast. be good, not try or fake good or pretend good or trick the pastor into thinking you is good by hiding your DVD collection when he visits. No, no, no. Be good. Be good. Have a relationship with God and let the Spirit work in you and through you, but for the benefit of the world out there, which is looking dark and dim right now, and we need to be light in the midst of darkness. Let us go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you so much. Lord, I could have probably done a good appeal this here and just say, hey, if you're ready to live for Christ. But I don't want this to be something where we're looking at each other and just standing up so that the pastor can shut up and pray quickly so that we could go home and eat because we're hungry. No, no, no. This needs to be an individual decision. Help us choose to live the life worthy of children who are called Christians. Not just out there bearing your name and doing our own thing, but doing your will, Father God. You are the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. Please help us live up to the name of children of God. May you work in us and through cast. us for the benefit of all. This is my humble prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here and at home say amen. Amen, amen.